Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Um, we'll be reading from Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. If you're wondering how did we get to Zephaniah chapter 3, uh, during the season of Advent, we're following readings uh, from the Daily Prayer Project and the Revised Common Lectionary. So this is the, the, the reading that has been selected for the season of Advent, which means there are many churches all across North America this morning who are reading Zephaniah chapter 3 and reflecting on these same things together. Uh, also, if you want to know who Zephaniah was, we don't really know much about him, but Zephaniah was a prophet uh, during the time of King Josiah of Judah. That's why, kids, on your clipboards, you have a coloring page about King Josiah, because, shockingly, my coloring book has no pages on the prophet Zephaniah, but it does have a coloring page for King Josiah. King Josiah was actually a pretty good king in the history of Israel, but it was, or in the history of Judah, but it was still a challenging time. The nation of Israel had been exiled for their sin. They had been conquered by Assyria. The nation of Judah was struggling to do what is right. Uh, there had been two bad kings in a row. Josiah came to the throne. Josiah tried to be a reformer. He tried to read the law to the people. He tried to do the right things, but they were still under constant threat from other nations and still struggling with their own idolatry. So into the midst of this, Zephaniah speaks a message, as many of the prophets do, a message of judgment, a message of uh, a, a call to repentance, telling the people of Judah that they need to turn back to God, that they need to turn away from their sin, that they may be punished just as the nation of Israel have been if they don't turn back to God. But as many of the prophets do, Zephaniah concludes with a message of stirring hope and joy. And that's what we read this morning, looking forward to the coming day of the Lord, when God will make all things right. So this is the very end of the prophecy of Zephaniah. These are the last seven verses in the book, verses 14 to 20. And this is our joy. This is our hope. Even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of hardship, God is promising that this is what is to come. So listen as I read Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcast and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for this prophecy from your servant Zephaniah. 
so long ago. We pray that you would take this word and sink it deep into our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. May this not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live today and in days to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, children, I promised a friend. Uh, you may hopefully are not too surprised to find that my friend is a stuffed friend. My, my stuffed friend Mario has come with us this morning. And you may wonder, why? Why is Mario here? I feel that Mario is now a significant cultural icon, perhaps most significant for those of us in the, uh, what is sometimes called the exennial generation, halfway between millennials and Gen X, where I and my wife, and actually a number of you find yourselves. Um, but those who are a little bit older remember your kids playing Mario. Those who are a little bit younger may have been too old for the old Mario, but it's come back. My children play Mario as well. Now here's the thing, when you're playing with Mario, there's lots of trouble, right? There's lots of enemies, there's lots of things to dodge, there's lots of, and you run and jump. But what can you get to help you out with Mario? What do you need? You know what you need? Fireballs can be helpful, but what you really need is a star. Because when you get the star, you are invincible. And when you get the star, what happens? You get the star and the music changes. It amps up and you run and you jump and you spin. You don't just jump, you spin. And you see Mario running joyfully through Mario World, untouchable by the forces of evil. And this is really the picture we get in Zephaniah, that God has protected his people. God will come back and make all things right. Mario right there. So God has made all things right. In a sense, he's given us this star. He has made us invincible and, and protected, that we can run and jump and exalt through life. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't always feel that way, does it? Life does not always feel like a running romp, that we are just jumping and spinning and singing for joy. And it is right, and, and we know, we talk often how the prophets, the Bible, the Psalms, as Philip mentioned this morning, from the depths of woe, the Bible is incredibly realistic about the hardship of life. Even here in Zephaniah, we see enemies, we see judgments, we see failings. And so this is not just an ignoring of things, but this is a recognition that in the face of enemies, in the face of obstacles, we have been given joy. We have been given life. And so at the same time as we recognize these things, joy is something that should characterize our lives. We should be filled with this joy. We may not actually be able to do flips, but there should be a lightness to our steps an excitement as we talk with one another, a spring in our step as we come into worship, as we go out to do our jobs day in and day out. So what is it that stops us from this? What keeps us from experiencing this joy? What's, what's our main problem here? Well, really it is, our main problem is all the obstacles of life, all the enemies that we face. That was Zephaniah's problem, that was the people's problems. And that in the face of those, we are weak and afraid. So what is the message, the main thing about God that Zephaniah offers here? The main thing, we'll delve into this a little bit more, but the main thing that he says is that God is in the midst of his people. 
The hope for the people of God is not a superpowered star. The hope is that God is in the midst of them. We see it in verse, in verse 15. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. Why? Because God is in your midst. And then we see it again in verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. This is the hope. This is the hope that God offers us. This is the joy comes. Where, is, where do we get this joy? In the face of enemies, in the face of obstacles. Where do we find joy? Where do we find spring in our step? Where do we find hope to keep going? We find it in the fact that God is in the midst of his people. And because God is in the midst of his people, then we can rejoice. We can run through life, even in the face of all circumstances. Because God is in the midst, we can rejoice. So what, what, what does that do for us that God is in our midst? What, how does that help us? What does that mean? There's really three aspects we see here in Zephaniah of God being in our midst. The first is that God forgives our sins. The second is that God delights in us. And the third is that God protects us. God forgives us. He delights in us. He protects us. This is what happens when God is in our midst. First, God forgives our sins. We see this in verse 15. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. The people here that Zephaniah was speaking to, they were guilty. They had done bad things. They had neglected God. They had set up idols to worship. They had forgotten about the sacrifices they were supposed to make. They had stopped caring for their neighbors. They had stopped caring for the poor in the way that they were supposed to. They were guilty before God. And Zephaniah is honest about that. He tells them to stop, to change. You are guilty. You need to turn from your ways. But here at the end, he promises them the hope and the joy that the Lord has taken away the judgment. When God comes into the midst of us, he forgives our sins. This is the meaning at the time of Advent, looking forward to Christmas, we're celebrating Jesus coming to earth. What does that mean for us? What is our, our assurance of grace this morning and every morning of Advent? You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is what Jesus came to do. His name means the Lord saves. Saves us from what? From sin. And if our sin is taken away, how much freedom is there? How much are we weighed down and burdened by the guilt and the shame of sin? If you've never read the book Pilgrim's Progress, it's worth reading. Uh, and parents, uh, for your children, you can read this book to them. This is a children's version of Pilgrim's Progress that was put together a few years ago. It's simplified and illustrated. And it's a beautiful book, but it tells the story. It's, it's an old book. Uh, John Bunyan from hundreds of years ago, I forget exactly when, he was an English Puritan, but a famous writer and preacher, he actually wrote this book from jail. But it's a beautiful picture of the Christian life and what it means to follow Jesus. And there's and in one of the early chapters, the man, uh, the pilgrim comes and he is to become a Christian. And you can see, it's a little bit hard to see, but you can see this picture. 
He's got this huge burden on his back and he's struggling. Have you ever been backpacking with a big heavy backpack on? By the end of the day, you can't do much. Even maybe just the end of the day at school, you can't do much. That big heavy backpack, you just can't wait to let it go. And finally, Pilgrim comes to the cross. And when he gets to the cross, his sins are forgiven and his burden falls off his back and they roll away. And this is what it says when he gets there. His name becomes Christian for he has come. His name is Christian. Christian gave three leaps for joy. Then he started singing a wonderful song about all that the man on the cross had suffered for him. He sang how his burden had rolled off as soon as he came up to the cross. Feeling light as air, Christian continued singing happily as he went on his way. Can you imagine what it would be like for your burden to be lifted? If you did not walk about with the weight of sin, the weight of shame and judgment on yourself, you're free. You can jump, you can run. You're untouchable for the judgment is no more. This is the message of Zephaniah. The Lord has taken away the judgment against you because Jesus came to earth because he died on the cross. Your sins can be forgiven. And if you put your faith in him, your sins are forgiven. You do not carry that burden any longer. So the calling to us this morning, if you've never put your faith in him, do so. Experience the grace and forgiveness of your sins. Say, Jesus, I want you to take my sins away. But maybe you have. And maybe you're still carrying that burden with you. Maybe you kind of recognize that Jesus has forgiven you, but you're having trouble forgiving yourself. And the call this morning is to step out, to step out of your shame and guilt, to acknowledge that your sins have been forgiven, your burden has been removed. There is no reason to pick it up again, to walk in that freedom. Just imagine what that is like. You do what is wrong. You hurt somebody, you say an unkind word, you do a selfish thing, and then you're torn down by that, the guilt and shame of it, and you go try to make up for it, but you know that you can't, and you don't have to. You can say to the person you've wronged, I'm sorry, I was wrong, will you forgive me? And then you can know that you are forgiven. There is nothing more that you can do to make it right, but God has made it right for you. And you can go and you can put yourself out there in freedom, to walk and serve and love, not being burdened by shame and guilt. God forgives our sins. That's what happens when God is in the midst of his people. But there's more. There's more because did you hear as, as Christian went on his way, he was singing happily. And singing shows up here in Zephaniah. It's beautiful. He will Verse 17, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. God rejoices over you with singing. This is telling us that when God comes into the midst of his people, what does that mean? It means that God delights in us. Stop to reflect on how amazing that is, that God does not simply tolerate you. He does not simply check off the box of your sin and say, all right, that's been taken care of. He is not up there simply as a taskmaster saying, get on with it, what's wrong with you, keep going. But God delights in you. He rejoices over you with his gladness. He quiets you 
with his love. He exalts over you with loud singing. One of the things that's great about preaching the same text as lots of other people is all your pastor friends on Facebook are preaching the same text. And so they can talk about it. And so there's been a discussion among some of my pastor friends about what does it mean for God to sing over us? What, what, what does it mean? What, is it, it's like, what does that mean for somebody to sing over us? And one of my pastor friends pointed out that we do know something about this. It's a little bit weird and awkward sometimes, but it's something that we love. If you're at a birthday party and you're the birthday boy or the birthday girl and the cake comes out and you sit there quietly and a little bit awkward while everybody else sings happy birthday, usually off key, out of tune, kind of badly, but, but it's a beautiful moment and you just sit there and soak it in because it's your birthday. And that day, that moment, whatever else may be going on the rest of the time, that time is all about you. And it's a beautiful feeling for everybody to be there excited about you, not about what you have done, not about what you can do for them, but simply that you exist. Birthdays are a beautiful thing and we sing over one another. And Zephaniah tells us that every day of our life, God is singing over us, that he is looking at us and saying, I am glad that I made you today. And so that feeling of specialness, that feeling of who you are on your birthday, that people have gathered together to be excited just about you, that you were born, that you exist, that is how God feels about you every day of your life. So what can you do? What could life be like if you know that every day your sins are forgiven and you do not carry that burden anymore? Every day you know that God delights in you and he is excited that he made you. What could you do? How could you love? How could you serve? What could you go out and, and just enjoy life? You might be able to run and jump a little bit knowing that. But still running and jumping, there's still enemies out there. And the final thing that, God, that, tell, that we see when God is in our midst is that God protects us. Verse 19, behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in at the time when I gather you together. God protects us. Even in the face of enemies, whether our enemies are real physical enemies like the people of, of Israel and Judah who had nations who were trying to kill them, some of us face enemies to people who are trying to bring us down, trying to hurt us. There are people out there who are doing harm. All of us face the enemy of Satan, trying to deceive us, trying to sneak in and ruin our relationships, trying to make us wallow in our guilt and shame. And Zephaniah says that God protects us. He is there. He is strong. You imagine those pictures of a city, a city with walls around it. And no matter what is going on on the outside, no matter what enemies are there, no matter what's coming up against the wall, inside the city, it is safe. It is peaceful. For God is protecting his people. God forgives our sins. God delights in us. God protects us from all of our enemies. So where is our hope? Where does our joy come from? As much as I love Mario, it doesn't, it doesn't come from a Mario star. 
That's not, that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for the secret potion. We're not looking for the words that will make everything right. But instead, in the season of Advent, we look not for the Mario star, but we look for the star that led the wise men to Jesus. Because that is our hope, that God is in the midst of, our, of his people. That this is not just some philosophical idea or some spiritual idea, but a real and tangible thing. That at Christmas we remember that God came down into the midst of his people. And that even when Jesus lived his life, he accomplished his death, he accomplished the forgiveness of our sins through the death on, his death on the cross. He expressed his delight for his people. He expressed his protection for us. That even when he rose back up to heaven, he said, I'm sending you another. And so Christmas continues. Jesus in us continues by the work of the Holy Spirit. That that star that led the wise men to Jesus is not a star for a temporary invincibility, but it is for Jesus who is always within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We put our faith in him and we can rejoice. We can exalt. We can skip through life with our burdens being removed. What can we do if we walk in that joy? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word, this word from your prophet written for us. We pray that as we go from this place, as we go out to our places of work and home and, and friendship and all the things you've called us to in this life, even in the face of hardship and obstacles and enemies, would you give us this joy? Would you give us the certainty of our forgiveness, the knowledge of your delight, the assurance of your protection? May we walk before you in joy this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.